Welcome to the most forward-thinking, inspirational podcast in, in this, this reality. reality. The show designed to challenge everything we've been taught. If you've ever felt there had to be more to life, more to existence, then you're listening to the right podcast. Time to open your mind. And dive in. This is the Mental Mastery Alliance Podcast. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Alliance Podcast. Today, I have a guest with me. And I remember I have the, I've had this statement. I've, I've said these things before where it's like, I used to try to do this like, lengthy build-up and build suspense, but the goddamn name is right in the title as to who I've got with me on the show. Uh, so you guys have already read it, and you're all very excited for a man that you've probably never heard of, but you're going to be thankful that you have soon. I found this guy on the internet, believe it or not, on the Facebook, which nobody uses anymore, but hey, some cool people are out there, and his content just caught my attention so much that I absolutely had to reach out to him. It's like one time, you know, you, you know when you see something and you're just like, all right, that's cool. And then you're like, that's, that's cool. That's cool. And then you see something again, the same person. Fuck, that's cool. And then it's like 10 times. You're like, this guy is on fire. I got to reach out. So I did. And on top of me reaching out to him, I'm now going to put him directly in front of you. So you guys can decide if you want to follow him on the Facebook or possibly the Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please allow me to introduce to you Mr. Philip Van Hoot. Out. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm butchering it, but Philip Van Hoot. Just How pronounce it like people know it. Like it's written like the last name of Millhouse, and they say like Van Houten or, or Houten in uh, The Simpsons. So it's that last name without an N. So. Ah, all right. Everything's coming up Van Houten. That's fantastic. So yeah, man, your stuff is, uh, it's killer. Like your content is, it's not like, it's not even accidental. Um, your stuff is so, I don't want to say meticulously manicured, but I would say that, I mean, your content, uh, the presentation, like your shit's almost too good. Like yeah. just your quality. You look at this stuff and you're like, this guy's, you know, mass produced and nah, 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 but you're not, you're one dude with a computer and a camera putting shit together. Uh, I mean, visually, but more so than that, your message is incredible. Uh, so tell everybody a little bit about kind of what you do in your own words. Bro, I should have you as my motivational speaker, uh, you know, that I call sometimes, <laughs> like, you're awesome, man. Uh, I help coaches and consultants with their branding, content creation, and offer creation. So that's what I did. Used to be like a high-performance mentor, so that's what I still do with some one-on-one -on -one clients. But if people want to have a brand that uh, feels like them, that flows effortlessly, and something that is aligned with their personality without, like, having content burnout or you know, having to show up with dances on TikTok and being a dancing monkey that you feel like <laughs> I'm just not myself anymore. Yeah. Just like whoring yourself out for the algorithm. 100%. And you feel like I'm just trying to do something that is A, not sustainable and two, doesn't feel like me. I help people find a branding and content strategy that feels like them, that gets them clients and is sustainable and helps them serve well and earn well. Yeah. A lot of people will listen and go, hey, uh, Adam, don't you do the same thing? Uh, theoretically, we do. I do. Um, but I've always said this, you know, you can, somebody can listen to my message or my statements over and over and over again. And either because it's me or because they've heard me say it, it doesn't resonate. But when you hear it from somebody else, 
the same message from a different voice, you're like, oh, this this is starting to connect with me. So, I mean, one thing that I've learned, certainly in my sphere, um, in my circle of, of either influence or however you want to do it, I know that so many people um, essentially want more, but don't necessarily know where to look. And the people that I have in my network are more than willing to give, give, give. So mm -hmm. when you are in an abundance mindset, for example, uh, the world opens up and it's, it's incredible. Uh, what fascinates me again, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, uh, off, uh, uh, pre-recording is how you got here. You know, my question, mm -hmm. you know, a good question. And, and one of the ones that, you know, I've shared, I've shared my backstory with everybody a thousand times. And it's funny how similar ours are uh, without going into, you know, obviously too much detail. What broke you out of the idea that, the world was as delivered. In other words, we, we live in this certain age in this time where, you know, from zero to 20, you do what you think you're supposed to do, you know, or how my own pain, my own pain and my own shame. Yeah. That's pain. what I think. Right. Yeah. Pain. Um, so once I took, uh, uh, mushrooms and I went to a sensory deprivation tank oh, for shit. two hours. How many mushrooms? And I want to, uh, I don't know, bag, like whatever. Don't know exactly how much it was. A good enough dose. Afterwards, I went to the Van Gogh Museum, which is just amazing. <laughs> Why? Partly because Van Gogh is is showing the beauty of everyday life despite his suffering, right? He was painting flowers, the night sky. So partly that's what psychedelics and mushrooms all do. They they connect you like with the, with the flow of nature, you know, course, they enhance yeah. your perception. So that was afterwards a beautiful experience. But I was like meditating and and I was like, you know, judging me, judging and thinking I shouldn't think. And now I'm thinking in this whole loop that I couldn't break out of until at one point, people often talk about a higher self. I often feel more like a deeper self. Right. Instead of like wanting answers, I started asking questions to my deeper self. Like I wanted to hear the answer. And I think most people deep down inside know what they should stop, what they should start, what they should let go of. So that's when I asked like deeper questions, you know, like, like I cared about myself and like I was willing to listen, right? I was both of those personalities, but have like a dialogue. Mm -hmm. So when you ask like, what made you want to change? I think, yeah, the universe is whispering answers in your ear all the time, right. like holding up a certain standard, holding up a certain mirror. But how long are we going to say that the wall is running against us? <laughs> we're running into the wall, right? Yeah. The universe is not short on wake-up calls, but we're very quickly to hit the snooze button. So we keep on having the same Groundhog Day scenario of like, I could do better tomorrow, I change, tomorrow, I change. And before you know it, you're like one year, two years later. While in the hero's journey, this accumulates with a man until he's like 28, max 32. And then it's like a breaking point of identity. It's like, okay, am I going to walk this road the rest of my life? Or am I going to own this, take responsibility that a lot of my suffering is self-inflicted and I'm going to stop being a victim and I'm start like changing my life from the inside and changing my identity. So that's a bit the longer story without oh, the journey that's, was. I mean, you dropped philosophy in your change there. Uh, I really like that because it's totally true. I like the the statement where you're like, you know, how, how many, how many times are we going to blame the universe? You know, the universe exists. You're in it. And, and I hear all these people talk about how the universe is out to get you. It's, you know, it, it's one of these things. Uh, and I often equate this to uh, a video game. Uh, often I equate this to Street Fighter 2, for example. It's a game that, you know, everybody our age kind of played at one point or another. And if you play that game on, on uh, difficulty level one, 
well, you're going to walk through it and you're going to be bored, right? If you play that game on difficulty level 10, it's going to be impossible to get out of the first round and you're just going to stop playing. The key is to find the difficulty level, I don't know, four, five, wherever it's challenging enough. And then as soon as it becomes too easy, you go up to level six, seven. Um, and that's sort of where we are in, in this in this reality. Now, at the same time, if you put that game on and you know you pick your guy, whatever, Zangief, and there's nobody on the other side. You just the game starts and there's nobody there. It's just you standing in front of a screen and there's no there's no opponent. Without an opponent, you can't even play the game. And that's to me this quote unquote the universe is working against us and it's so terrible. Blah blah blah. I I firmly believe that the universe puts in front of you everything that you need to overcome. Um, and you know you and I were earlier talking about weight. You know, in my own mind, it's like I've got to lose weight if I want to be accepted. Blah blah blah. blah. And we go through these these things i do think that there's a i do think that there's a stage you know because i also that's my passion project right like union fatty tales hmm. uh in an, in a transcendental meaningful way and i think the first stage indeed is like going to the adventure and proving yourself the warrior stage right like adapting changing your habits forceful using will imposing on yourself on your ego but i'm now in a stage also that you know Part of you fighting against uh, against yourself, certain areas, certain ego, you know, this constantly wanting to improve, constantly wanting to change, that paradoxically, once you accept who you are and once you let go, that probably you will be closer to getting the things that you want. Because if you keep on letting go of things and you can't and you keep on holding on to it, it, it doesn't bring it into fruition and plant the seeds. So I believe in intentful action, willpower, striving, improving having that potential, but paradoxically at some point when you let go and accept who you are, you can then let it flow because you stop resisting yourself. I do believe that's also a stage. hundred percent. Yeah. And um, it's funny you bring that up because in my journey, that's kind of where I am as well at this moment in time where what I mean by that personally is that, you know, I, I quit everything and I've gone through this, the drinking, the drugs, the, the recreational, this, that, the other thing, the proclivities, you know, uh, fast, you know, just, just empty connections. And I always said, I didn't want to be, I remember when I was younger, I said, I don't want to be a non-smoker because that's too definitive. And I, I don't know why I said that, but like, I was kind of like making that joke. Cause I, I guess at the time you believe that, you know, I'll probably never quit. But when I did quit, I realize that now when somebody says, are you a non-smoker? If, if that ever came up, the answer is no, I'm not a non-smoker. I'm just not a smoker. And it still applies. And that's, so it's like, if somebody says, do you want a cigarette? Well, the answer is no, I don't want a cigarette. That's like, do you want to go to the beach? Yeah, I'll go to the beach. Do you want to punch in the face? I, I don't want to punch in the face, you know? And so this isn't, this isn't so much. I'm, I'm defining myself as a non-smoker. And this is also another point that gets me in a lot of trouble when I say this. When I quit drinking, um, I I don't believe in AA. And why I don't believe in AA is because um, I believe that being, this is just a personal opinion. I also do understand that it works for people. And I know that there's multiple levels of facets that people are experiencing this reality in. Why I say this is because I, the way my personality worked with regards to addiction and with regards to overcompensation and all that sort of stuff, I see it as, I see it as more of a, um, an addiction swap. You're you're obsessed. Swapping. You have an you have an obsessed personality. I had a conversation yesterday about it. Like if you think it's just in the alcohol, it's just gonna swap towards medication, towards work, towards porn, towards sports. You have this all or nothing addictive uh, 
yeah personality and you go all in so i i partly get that person because i have it myself yeah i mean for me i'm at the gym way too much i've blown out my shoulder with this stupid addictive personality you know so it's like i'm in i'm in extra pain because i've swapped out my addictions for other things but just like you said i mean it's so important what you just said it's like you gotta let all of that go and the minute you are just simply happy with you you can focus on what else you can do and have an experience and become as opposed to, I'm not this, I'm not that. Because those are thoughts that are inside your head. Like, oh, I'm not a drinker. I'm not this. You have to actively be a non-drinker, you know? You have to tell people you have to do this, or you just don't drink, you know? Or you just, you know, you go out and you have a glass of water, or whatever, or sparkling water, whatever you're doing. Um, so you're either doing one thing or another, but your brain, you know, your, your occupancy and what your focus is. And you will naturally go towards what you focus on. So letting go is, is a beautiful next stage but you can literally only get there through fighting. Like, and, and the way I look at mm -hmm. it, you know, you can, you have to fight your way to letting go. I I don't know. You, you touched on that. Normally I let the guests talk when I'm doing an interview, but like you really caught something out of you. You set me on fire, sir. Now let's give the floor back to you. What are yeah, you no, doing? That's the, that's, that, that's the whole um, contradictory thing. Like we, we, we think that we have to chase, we have to force, we have to cling, we have to hold to get the thing that we want and it's good to have that intention to cultivate the skill and the desire but then at some point like you know you let it unfold you work with what you have you let it manifest or whatever you want to call it and more controlling more chasing more tactics more thinking more grabbing will not get you more of what you want paradoxically no. i had to re realize that myself yeah it's fantastic you posted something a couple days ago it said you don't attract people based on what you do you attract people based on who you are yeah and this to me was one of those was one of those posts where I'm like more pe like fucking more people need to see the shit that you're writing down because when it hits you in the face, I mean that's so very obvious. But there's a ton of people that are like, I need to have this car so that people will like me. There's there's this world where, where and this is one of the things that really sort of amplified my desire to get into coaching, which was ninety percent of the world would rather put a BMW in their driveway than information that will make them better in their heads, and. So that's perception, right? That's they want you to perceive them a certain way. And the further down this rabbit hole you go, you realize there is no them. They only exist as contrast to you so that you yourself can become a different version of you based on who you think they are. Like for you. The only for example, yeah. To make it also like relatable, let's say, right. Um, to make it manageable. And what's been a struggle for me is because I came from a family that didn't accept me for who I was because they were just different. You know, I'm not delved deeply into personality types. So I know their vision of the world is different. I stopped like judging my parents and projecting my own personal standards upon them because that is what they did with me. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that, 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 that perception of yourself can be like, how confident are you? How much do you want to be seen? How much do you want to be loved? And whether you want to or not, and if you want to talk to businesses and entrepreneurs, the one who love themselves, the one are confident, sometimes cocky, sometimes scammy and spammy, but boldly stand behind their mission will outsell the people with integrity who, you know, don't want to be seen, don't love themselves, and in their core, doesn't think that they are valuable. So yeah, you can study all the courses, all the tactics that you want, but if at that core, you don't feel like you're worthy of being seen, loved, and have something valuable to offer, that lack of conviction will shine through in everything that you do in your business and life. Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's uh that's one of those big ones. And it's true. It's, it's sad, but it's true. It's like the, the scammy guys are everywhere. The, the, 
the, the, the cons are everywhere. The text messages are coming in. It's just con, con, scam, scam. You throw enough shit against the wall, some of it's bound to stick. And some of the people with the greatest messages in the world, like you said, if they don't believe in themselves, it's not going to get out there. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that people have accused me of. Put your face on camera. Get on YouTube. Do this, do that. I'm like, I just haven't gotten around to it yet, you know? Um, well, most of the people who use words like integrity is important in my experience, right? Like I coach more than 150 like clients uh, when it comes to I want to make an impact, I have integrity, or the people have the most difficulty with marketing and being seen. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they use those terms to show like, hey, you know, I mean well. Well, if you mean well, you should use marketing. Marketing is manipulation. Yes, but you need to manipulate people, you know, so they follow you, so they see you, so they invest in you. If you truly have integrity, if you truly are a coach with ethics, often these people have the most difficulty like showing up and using marketing while we need yeah. more of good marketing for these kind of coaches. A hundred percent. I, you know, uh, that's, again, that's one of the things that I would say, I would say would be um, a weak point. I don't want to say weak point. Um, I don't typically do marketing the normal way. I do. Uh, I speak my truth on all social medias and all on all platforms. And those who resonate tend to, to, to gravitate. So I only work with roughly my top tier clients. I only work with 10 a year. And um, that that's specific and by design so that I'm personally in their space and I'm, that I'm personally a part of what it is that they're doing. So I could be one of those few that, you know, don't necessarily need the world to know who I am, but those who do work well with it. And then the rest of it's free. Gary V is a master of the free, right? Like this guy, it doesn't matter what he's saying. You know, he's out there. You know, Gary V exists because he's always talking about something and you never in a million years have seen him sell a damn thing. And that's kind of the cool factor of, of, of a Gary V, whether you agree with him or not, his style of marketing is kind of one that I've emulated, give everything away. And mm-hmm. those that want more will come to you. And they do want more. There are people out there that want more. And there are people out there that don't even know that they want more. Um, but they have this inkling and this and this idea that there is more. And that's where guys like you come in in, in, in for them. They're like, oh, now I'm going to talk to Philip. Now I'm going to see you know what he sees in me and what we can do and how we can do this and manipulate this and sort of where the idea is. Do you have a, do you have a, a gate for, for your work? In other words, like, you know, anyone under the sun can just reach out to you and be like, Hey, can you help me? You know, like, do you have an avatar, an actual proper, this is my ideal client or somebody I want to work well, with? Well, I worked with a lot of uh, different offers, you know, and sometimes using a style that wasn't me. So after everything that I run, there are three ways how people can work with me. People are just getting started or they would have limited means to invest. I would point them towards my courses. I have a branding, offer academy, content academy, everything to leverage that and also become good at sales. If people want to work with me one-on-one, they can work with me one-on-one for one or two or three months with access to the courses to save time on the call or just one-on-one without access to the courses. Right. That's right now how people can work with me. So the courses is for people who value t- uh, money over time you know, and want to have enough time just starting up. They have all the essential things to work with. People who really want to accelerate and with a massive focus on implementation and optimizing, then they could work with me one-on-one with or without access to the courses. Uh, that's mostly entrepreneurs who've been like, you know, in business. That's uh, for three years or more, you know, they have a validated offer, they have a content strategy, but you know, like it's not like insistent and they lack leads, not enough booked calls and it's not streamlined enough. That's the people because honest truth, man, uh, I'm not popular with this, but if you want to figure out your business, you're going to need at least freaking two to three years, at least 
maybe even five. You need to figure out yourself. You need to have the branding, the offer, the pre-qualification, the sales, the team, the messaging, the sales conversation, the booked call. Are you going to kid me that this is going to happen in 90 days? (laughs) No. Then you had a marketing background. Then you were a copywriter at your previous company and you use that in your new job. But if you think that you can make it a beginner, have a magnetic brand, have converting content, have an irresistible offer and become unstoppable at sales in 90 days. And that person, you know, reads self-development, maybe has a family, they're batshit crazy delusional. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm seven years, uh, no more than that. I'm, uh, I want to say, yeah, actually... Well, 10. No, let's go with seven, seven. Jesus. I'm just, I'm just drawing it out now. Let's just make this episode a little bit longer while Adam thinks about how long he's been in business. 30 minutes later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll say eight years, eight years. I've been 100% self-employed. Um, prior to that, I was coaching for other, other brands, other companies, uh, big names. I was understudying. I was under coaching. I was the guy you talked to when you paid for the, for the for the the Tony Robbins, you know, I was the undercoach. You never get to talk to Tony Robbins for ten G's. You talk to me, um, and I hold my craft. And that was that was after you know, like I dropped out of uh, sales. I was doing sales coaching, sales marketing, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the idea of it anymore. And that's kind of one of the that's another reason why I, I the marketing has been slow on my end. But you're right. It's been seven or eight years that I've been on my own, and I feel now after everything that we've put together and after the trail and lineage that, that the mental mastery Alliance has left behind and not left behind, but that, that is in our wake as we're moving forward, there's enough content back there that anyone anywhere can find us at any point and go through thousands of hours of greatness. I say greatness cause that's me tooting my own horn, but you know, you, you get the idea and the, and the, and the sense of it. So my job, you know, when you think about it now, like my job moving forward, I know that eight years in, we're just getting started and that's not meant to scare people off. The conversation that we just had, it's going to take you three to eight years type of thing. That's not meant to scare people off. That's meant to be like, you know, you're going to be doing something anyway. And if you spend, what is it? Nine to five. If you're at work nine to five and whether you've got a family or what have you, you may have an hour after work. You may have an hour. You may have four hours in that four hours. You can chip away at everything that you need to do to get to where you need your courses. For example, your courses, you can watch over and over again, you know, so people can get into this. Um, I want more people to get into this. I want more people to understand that they can legitimately do whatever they want, that the nine to five grind where they're building for somebody else is, is, is a bullshit story. And, and the only thing I, that I want to say is that um, there's so much delusional expectations and I call it toxic spider marketing or cheerleading marketing without actually making people leaders that I totally believe people can do it. I totally believe with the right effort, you can you can quit your nine to five, live the freedom lifestyle and make an impact. But it's also delusional fairy tale land on Facebook where everybody is making 10K, 20K, 50K. Everything is amazing. They're crushing it. And then behind the scenes, I'm talking with people who, if your podcast is about mental mastery and depression and low self-esteem, like there's so much social comparison. They feel like they're lacking. They feel they're not successful. You know, but you only see the end result of massive struggle that people often don't openly share. So I also want to give a voice to the journey, the struggle, ups and downs, like what's normally part of the journey that very few people share in the online coaching space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It, um, it's all smoke and mirrors, uh, this industry as well. Everyone's like, this is what I'm doing. And if you do exactly what I did, then you can get what you want too. Uh, none of that works. 
And that's, that's a huge thing. So even when I'm talking and dealing with clients, I'm like, you can't do what I did to get to where you are because you aren't me. Let's focus on what you're good at and let's figure out where you are and what you can do and how you can accomplish and achieve these things. Uh, and here's an accurate and, and, and respectable time limit. You know, the money that, that I look at this, the money is, it's a time saver. If you've earned a ton of cash back in the day, you can, you can fast track certain things. But the truth is, if you're not willing to take out the garbage, you can't be the CEO. A proper CEO of any upstart company swept the floors, took out the trash, hired the people, trained the people, worked with the people, um, hired the people to, to, to replace themselves. They did every single job in the company before they got to the top. And that's how you do it. Like every single quote unquote millionaire, I'm just going to say arbitrarily, every single millionaire billionaire out there, if you took everything away from them and dropped them in the middle of the street with a pair of pants, you know, they would be able to rebuild. Anyone that won the lottery could, if you took everything away from them, they couldn't rebuild because it's not about the money. It's about who you become on the journey. Yeah. Let me tell you something that <clears throat> it's my favorite episode of my favorite series, which is called the twilight zone. And the episode is called a nice place to visit. So in the beginning of a nice place to visit, you see a guy who's been a robber, who's been like a bandit and he was like stabbed and he's dying. And then you see a guy with a white uh, suit, you know, bringing him back to life. And he opens his eyes and immediately he grabs his knife and says like, give me your wallet. And he just opens his uh, suit and gives him like his wallet, plenty of hundred dollar bills in it. He opens his eyes like you got some more money. Yeah, no problem. He, he just takes open the side pocket of his uh, jacket and gives him more money. And he starts smiling and says, like, give me the key to your apartment. And the guy says, like, no problem. I'll take you to my apartment. Takes him to his apartment. Super nice place, etc. The guy is living his life. He says, like, you know what, doc? I want some three beautiful women here, you know, who adore me. Immediately, he snaps his fingers. Three beautiful women there, you know, having the time of his life. He was like a big gambler. So he says, like, you know what? I want to gamble. So he gambles, plays blackjack, roulette, and he's winning all the time. The ladies are kissing his neck. He's enjoying it. And this lasts like for a while and you fast forward to the future where, you know, like, you know what, doc, I want to, I want to, I want to rob a bank. And he says like, yeah, sure. I'll make sure that you rob the bank. And he's like, well, I don't want to be sure that I rob the bank. He goes to the side room, you know, these three women follow him, kiss him in the neck. He's like, go away, you silly hags, you know, stop harassing me. He goes to the gambling casino and he plays the roulettes, you know, and he wins every time, you know, and he just bored like with this, with this hat on, uh, on his arm. So at the end of the evening, he goes to the guy in his white suit and he says, you know, like, you know what? I never expected heaven to be like this. And then the guy in his white suit said, who said this was heaven? This is hell. Always getting what you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now I want to watch that episode too. So this is also the journey between going for what you want and accepting what you have and enjoying the dance because uh, getting everything that you want and always getting it will be a disillusioned journey because it will never be as good as you expect it to be. You need you are meaning, meaning seeking creatures, process going creatures, you know, that journey that gives us the dopamine just as dopamine is released in intense anticipation of things less than actually getting the thing, you know. Amazon made an entire industry out of that theory. And if you think about that, it's like the idea of Amazon um, is convenience. Let us mail you whatever it is that you want. And now 
Amazon's very well aware that once you get it, it doesn't matter. The the joy of Amazon is the anticipation of the thing showing up at your door. So you're going to order again, whether it's a $5 thing or a $10 thing or a $100 thing, you're just going to sit there and go, it's coming. Eh, it's coming. And we bought it hook, line, and sinker. And you're right, man. Getting everything you want all the time is the worst. I think there must be nothing sadder than being like a billionaire and having everything that you want and just being bored out of your mind. Maybe that is why some people do like very crazy, insane or satanistic shit because everything is so accessible. Everything is so plain that they just can't get excited about anything anymore. They're bored with Earth Realm and they go hang out with Epstein and they do all the crazy shit. And mm -hmm. people are like, oh no, Epstein's just kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not. Man. Mm -hmm. Epstein is straight up Satanism. And then people will say like, oh, Satanism isn't a real thing. I'm like, man, Oprah Winfrey and all of these ultra elites that you're aspiring to be are bored as fuck with who they are. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to be something else. Now, does that mean they're not human? Me personally, I would I would I would tend to venture that. I think that, you okay. know, if we're, you know, just to sort of uh, throw some conspiracy into the episode because it's my show and I've always got conspiracy somewhere. I don't think that humans are the top of the food chain. I think that I think that we've been led to believe that they are or that we are. <laughs> Sorry, there's going to be some people in my audience going, he said they he's one of them. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> <laughs> we are human. Um, and that that's one of the catches for me, the caveats. If all I, I, personally, I, I personally believe that uh, I read a lot about history and uh, we live in revolutionary times. This is not sustainable anymore. Like uh, the money to the top, the lack of morals, the depravity, uh, you know, the lack of local connection, connection with God, the universe. Yeah. It's at such a level that something is going to break it. Like, look at this with this Apple glasses and stuff. How much are we going to whore out our perception to be milked like a cow? Like how much are we going to hollow out the relationship and our life and, and our spirit living like this? We should be dancing because it's faster and more convenient. Is is that a meaningful life? Like, is that the golden calf you really want to adore on the entire life? Because then you're like that scene in, in Alice in Wonderland. In, in, in this land, you have to run twice at, as hard just to stay at the same place. Yeah. How much longer are we going to run behind this carrot of faster, easier, more choices while we already know that that is not inherently what makes us happier. No, more depressed, more lonely, less connected, less fulfillment. No, but the new glasses are here. You can now open up five windows while you're scrolling. Like that's not the thing that will make us more fulfilled. So I feel that at some point we will have a balance with transhumanism and technology and put like human source, God, the essence of what it means to be human at its source, because now we're hollowing out everything that makes us human. And I have a quote that says, the danger is not for robots to become like humans. The danger is for humans to become like robots. I have a, um, I like that. That's good. I have a thought on that though. What if we, you and I are the artificial intelligence? We wouldn't know that we are. We wouldn't I'm not know. excluding that. I'm not excluding that. It's a possibility then. We're the creation. You even have a blasphemous thesis, by the way, from a friend of mine, but it's very interesting, right? What say if God was God and connected with everything and God was born out of, bored out of his mind and it was not the fall of man, but the fall of God because he wanted to be human because he wanted to experience. He wanted to have contrast. Contrast is the biggest thing 
the biggest thing in the entire world. It, it, it's so important. You know, um, I, I've said to people that are, you know, that, that, that think of themselves in a certain way. And, and when we bring up contrast, I say, look, you think you're overweight, but if there were no other humans on the planet, how could you even judge that? If there were no other humans on the planet, what would you do? You would be an oddity. You would be somebody having an experience. So inside that experience, it's forever growing, forever expanding. And they talk about science. The universe is forever expanding. It's growing. It's infinite nothingness, and it's growing. And eventually, it's going to snap and retract. And it, it sounds so fucking absurd, this infinite nothingness that's forever expanding. How could we know that? Unless it's a truth wrapped in a bullshit story. And when you see the universe, when somebody says to me, the universe is forever expanding, my universe is what I can perceive. And forever expansion in my perception is buildings going up, is watching my niece grow from her parents having a good time one night to a nine-year-old kid giving me a hard time. Is right? skyscrapers only falling down vertically when it's controlled diminution? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, these are the things too. It's like, you know... All of the growth and all of the expansion could be could be mentioned in something. Um, and even they talk about the, the World Trade you were just talking about, the World Trade Center, Building 7. There are people out there that are arguing that it, still to this day, that there are people out there that are arguing that it was real. And what blows me away is, as an entity that is me, if we're going to talk about this, we can. As an entity that is me, how in, I don't give a fuck, Right about anything that's taken place in the past. Now, if somebody wants to say to me, World Trade Center is was an inside job, it was fake. And they said, this, this, and this is why it is. I would say, okay, that makes sense. Um, or if I'm like, if I'm totally mm -hmm. dead asleep, I would say, eh, that, that, whatever. Whatever you want to believe. Like, that was 20 years ago. We're moving on. But there are dedicated groups or, or facets inside Facebook, social media, fabrication. That people will argue back and forth. The World Trade Center was an inside job. No, it wasn't. The official story says this, this, and this. Who in their fucking right mind is going to go on social media and attack other people and say it in defense of the legitimate story? You know, I, I think that shit is, is just hilarious. So you realize that there are bots everywhere. There are bots on everything. And, and you, you engage in bots on social media. You're and about the same age as me, right? 40 or something? 43, yeah. 43, yeah. The problem is that there's no expertise anymore. Like no. when I grew up, when you were had to have a stage, you had to become an expert. You have to talk deeply about it. Yeah. Now everybody can participate in the public debate. Even when you don't have any kind of expertise or it's not well thought of, we live in the age of attention whoring yeah. and attention harvesting. Not the one who knows the most or has the most expertise. Plus, you have this church of science that when I would say anything about vaccines or et cetera, like, are you a vaccinologist? No, I have eyes and I can reach it and I can deduct and use induction. I can use a brain, like, right? Like, yeah, you, what you're able to do and understand is not limited with what you studied for three or four years, you know? Like, you can still learn, right? I, and, and the people that didn't have the ability to even compute that way, they would say, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer, you must be a Trump supporter. It's like, okay, so somebody somewhere told you to tie those two together, and now you think that you're all chuffed that you just ripped me a new one by being like, I'm going to get the vaccine. I hope I don't get myocarditis. Like, uh, what is it, COVID? 
it literally tra- what was it the thing I've I've seen the translation somewhere it, it it translates into heart attack virus. That's what it translates into in in Latin or whatever it is, and I can't remember what. It, and somebody you know feel free to, to 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 put it in the comments, people. I I don't remember what the actual translation is, but it does translate into heart attack virus, COVID. In some sort, it just milk public perception, and and then that's what you know, right? Like I can complain about this, but I'm also focusing on my own habits, my own shadows, my own dark sides that I can focus on. That because what you realize, it doesn't matter if you follow the Kabbalah, the Hermetic laws, law of attraction. It comes down that partly of what your reality is is what you focus on, and even if you fight against something, that still consumes you, right? Most of your if all you if if all you fight is the enemy, you become the enemy, right? So that's why you can find these anti-political correctness people, and they become resentful of you know people making fun of them. But then they make fun of those people, you right. know, and then they are alive by feeding into each other in a symbiosis, you know. No, and it's true, and I laugh at that stuff, right? And these are all these are all things that you know you were you you just jumped right into what I was where I was leading with that is if you decide you want to get stuck in one of these chat groups. That's that's your reality. The minute you leave the chat group, the reality is totally different. Your actual reality is totally different. So everyone that's having a problem or an issue right now, if you just turn to the left, there's so much more out there. And that's it. So what you're focusing on and the pain that you're currently choosing to focus on is fucking you. And people will say, no, it's I'm I'm living it. You can't get out of this. I'll tell you, man, I was, I was batshit crazy for a while there. And that to me, that was enough. That was enough for me to be like, holy Christ. I can, I can think back to to the prison that I put myself in with regards to my facts must absolutely be true to now anyone to me, anyone can say anything that they want to say. And all they're doing is I don't need to argue with you. I'm just watching you show me who you are and where you're stuck. And if I'm, if I've got my coach hat on, and this is a potential client, I could hear them tell me the stories and then, which will blow them away. I can say, here are the problems that you're currently having in life. Here are the things that you're thinking about inside your head based on you know what you've just told me. And they're like, that's crazy. It's crazy that you know that. And the funny thing is people don't realize that by what they speak and by, by, how, by, by what has their intention or attention, they're showing you who they are. And the moment you catch on to, the, to that as an entity... The moment that you catch on to what you're focusing on becomes who you are. You stop focusing on certain things. I don't want to focus on partying and drunking and all this sort of stuff. I want to focus on what comes next. I want to focus on who I can become. I want to focus on what you said when you said, um, you know, anything that you want, you, you know, you can have your, your, your focus. Don't focus on these things. Don't be this. This is the same thing that we just talked about with regards to the alcohol. You're either an alcoholic or you're in AA. That's one addiction swap out for another. And again, if you're in AA, I, I, I must reiterate this. If you're in AA and it's working for you, stick with it. Ladies and gentlemen, do what's working for you. But understand that your focus and, and your creation, you're, you're a manifest creator. You are creating your own reality. And every single story you tell yourself, no matter how weird it may sound, or no matter how much you believe it to be the truth, is your story. There is no, and people will say, well, there's chemicals and there's this and there's that, and you're chemically bound and compounded and you'll get the shakes if you don't drink, blah, blah, blah. In Canada, when COVID first rolled around, everything was shut down. You couldn't go, you fucking, they chained the swings together at the outdoor playgrounds. It was absurd. 
The gyms were closed. Everything was closed. Mom and pops closed. Everything. All small business closed. What's open? Walmart, McDonald's, liquor store. And they said to the people, we have to keep the liquor stores open. Because if we took liquor away from the people, we would overrun the hospitals with liquor uh, deprivation or whatever the hell it is. Liquor withdrawals. And I watched Canada eat that up. I watched my friends eat that up. And I thought to myself, do you all truly believe that there are 90% of Canadians living so close to cirrhosis of the liver style alcoholism that if they took booze away from them for a year, that they would overrun the hospitals and people would be fucking dying from from alcohol withdrawal? Or do you think it's more easy to manipulate a drunken society and a fast food driven fucking unhealthy bullshit society? When they said stay it's out pretty, of the sun... Pretty- Oh. It's pretty simple. Um, you make people dependent on yeah. things outside of themselves, and then you have control. That's it. Oh yeah, outsource people their personal yeah outsource people their personal responsibility, so they they numb themselves or you know don't become the active agents of change, and make them dependent on a government with preconditions, and they can be a good little boy, and like a slave. I even I even looked at it by the way, in history, like in the. 18th century in France, uh, a farmer, let's say, had to give like 50% of his produce, maybe max 55% uh, of what he earns to the government, landlords, etc. Now in Belgium, for instance, if you count everything, right, the taxes, you know, the gas, all the other prices, you have to inherent tax, this gas tax, water tax, land tax, etc. You end up at 70%. Yeah. But because of the comfort and the numbing and the sucking on the on, on the rest of the matrix, we think we're comfortable and we're not enslaved. No, we're more enslaved than in the, than in some middle aged societies, and we have to pay more and we're poorer. <laughs> and that's the thing too. The more you the more you 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 do this, I look at it this way: the more you do this, the more you hunt money, the less you hunt purpose. And if you're not hunting purpose, then you're just a shell of a, of your own potential. If you're constantly constantly hunting empty money then then you you don't have the ability to live up to your potential and uh, you know there's that there's that meme where it's like there's this lion that's in a cage you know he's in the zoo or whatever and then there's another lion that's roaming free it's like which one's actually free which one's got it all like this lion's out doing lion things in the in in, in Africa and this lion's got all of his meals taken care of he's got quote unquote all of his shots he's this he's that he's healthy blah 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 um but he's not he's in captivity and we are basically free range humans right now. We're all in captivity. You don't, and then they have, they've got prisons, you know, the prisons, the prisons detract from the fact that if you want to leave your country, good luck doing it without your papers, you know, you're in a prison and the countries, the division, the, the division of the countries have us not looking at any more. All we talk about and all we think about are the countries that we've been shown. What about the extra earth? What about the extra Terra? What about the extra terrestrials? You know, these, they say it right there. Aliens don't exist from out of space. Aliens exist from another place that they haven't told us exists because all we do is accept what they've said on the television, on the tell a vision. You know, I, I don't get it personally. I, 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 yeah, I, can't. I know, man. It's, yeah, man. I've seen, I've seen Western Europe and Canada, you know, like deteriorating so much the last 10 or 15 years with like nonsense issues that they, milk astroturfing is a term that they use to um, artificially create a grassroots movement right so that's how they do it if they want to have an agenda they create these NGOs 
and and manipulate public perception to bring that into attention and then they say like oh see the public wants this they're demanding for this so we have to do something about climate we have to do something about this because they're feeding with grassroots movements ngos milking that public attention dominating them and then acting we're just doing what the citizens want yeah <laughs> it's genius it's genius they're marketing and milking of perception yeah. they like genius but that's how they do it but i i can't understand why people still willingly chain themselves to the tv and believe all that nonsense you know and still feed themselves with so much negative attention and one-sided stories each day to willingly enslave yourself that way and put it on like it's also something I would recommend people to turn off. Like, stop watching. I, I can't I can't do yeah. it. But but these shows give me you know they give me hope because I mean I watch our audience grow every day, and so that just means more and more people are interested in what's being talked about, what's being said. Like true, real, real missions, you know. And again, being being the coach that I am, I'm not here to uh, I'm not here to you know rah rah shish boom bah coach you. I'm here to show you what I know about the world. And when you amalgamate that information with what you know about the world, you start achieving things based on your own ability. And, 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 and when you stop watching television, instead of, instead of spending three hours on Netflix, you spend three hours on working on your, yourself. The whole world. I'm curious. I'm curious about something. If you also witnessed this, because I have the feeling that you're also like a truth speaker and see it directly. What I noticed that society, and especially me, is having problems with this direct, assertive, masculine, structured, discipline, calling out truth style. This generation, especially the young ones, has been so coddled, so isolated from any harmful things in an echo chamber that when you have a strong masculine voice like us, who just like says it like it is to make people think, to help them stand up, it's more difficult now as a coach sometimes than in the past because... Uh, I feel that we live in a much more college generation where people can't speak their truth and everything has to be, you know, mimified and like softened and stuff. While this masculine container, this direction sometimes is also very important. And I find this masculine voice severely lacking in this matriarchal society the last 20 years. Have you ever been canceled for anything that you've said? <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes, yeah, or having people removing me or being blocked, you know, or limited well, I, reach. Yeah. Cancel culture came after me once and it was a, a series of tweets and or things that I said, my, my Twitter got stolen and uh, not stolen, canceled, blocked out. Um, my Instagram got bombarded with pink haired's uh, and it hurt me. It hurt mm -hmm. me because I'm like, these people think of me a certain way. And the masculine voice now, why it happened, um, I mean, if I want to go esoterically, it happened because I needed to change my tone. And what I mean by that is my message was sound, but my delivery was ignorant. And so after I got canceled, I what I mean by canceled is like like I got bombarded and blasted and 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 just shit was written about me for like four days straight. And people were like blasting hundreds of hundreds of comments on, on my, my social media posts, blah, blah, blah. This guy's out of that. This guy's out of this, you know, and it, it like, it, it almost felt personal, but now um, from that moment in time, I've had the ability to not worry about it anymore. Um, I got canceled by the, the pink haired, the blue haired, uh, and I got, I got canceled by the, the machine as well. Uh, so later 
the machine decided that my account was spreading misinformation because I was openly sharing. And what I found after the second cancellation, first there was cancellation of public opinion. Second, there was cancellation from the machine. What I found after that was I was now free to be whoever I wanted to be because I no longer had to perceive or live up to an image that I thought I needed to be for the people to understand the message that I was trying to convey. I understood that to get through to anybody, I needed to use my voice. I needed to use the voice and the message that I wanted to use. I also learned that I needed to be diplomatic in how I did it. And that doesn't just mean in the message that you you do deliver. It means be diplomatic in how you speak to yourself. And when you no longer hate yourself, there's no need for aggression or angst to be spewed out. So instead of saying something abruptly aggressive and angry, you just you just sort of utilize the obviousnesses of what's going on and share your piece. Now, people will still try to cancel me now. They'll, they'll, they'll attack. They'll say dumb things. They don't get a rise out of me. They don't, they don't earn my attention. They do not get to get to me now. But it was fascinating to watch this, and I, I had to go through it to learn about it. But when the machine canceled me, I realized that 90% of the initial attack was bots. It's just all bots, just just program bots, attack, attack, attack. And then I, I couldn't believe it. So, you know, and that was easy, easy enough to clean up. Just delete the posts and the, and, the, and the things are gone, but not shut off the comments. I also, I made a slight change to my Instagram, which was if you're not actually following me, you don't have the right to write on my posts. So I didn't stop comments. And you'll see a lot of people will go into my DMs and be like, you fucking posted this and it's a piece of shit thing to say and blah, blah, blah. And I can tell why you've got your comments blocked because you're a fucking scumbag and fuck you and fuck your whole family. I'm sitting there going, you just attacked me and you did it in a righteous tone because you made an assumption. So everything you just attacked me about is what you're currently living. And I, so I'll reply to those people. I'll be like, hey, my comments are wide open, bro. Feel free to come at me any way you want to. But understand that if you want to say something to my group and and and, and if you want to have your visuals seen on my social media, you got to follow me, brother. You know what's a good quote uh, or something to reflect about? There's something about you that I don't like about myself. Yeah. There's something about you that I don't like about myself. So yeah. sometimes they feel like, look at how arrogant he is. Oh, you mean that I'm confident and you're not confident and it's confronting for me to be confident, just stating my mind? Or yeah. I mean, I get it. I also have my own wounds there, right? But often it's just projection you know like it's i'm a workaholic it's one of my favorite uh coping mechanisms let's say so what does my archetype of the you know striving perfectionist hate a lazy person <laughs> i'm gonna judge the crap out of a lazy person because that's like the opposite of a dominant personality in me have you ever met a lazy person that <laughs> that is happy as fuck like these i mean i've met one or two and i look at them and i'm like i I'm not going to lie. There's some envy right there. Like you're literally doing nothing. You're just sitting on the couch eating fucking bonbons, but you're happy as a pig in shit. And I'm like, there's also know, a beauty about it. Like that. I think like, fuck, if I could just like stare with a glaze in my eye, you know, at the TV and just have my snicker bar and just have ultimate bliss and just nothing going on, no lights on in my brain. Yeah. That, that's also a gift to, yeah. to have sometimes, you know? Yeah, I I wish there was a way I could visit that world and just you know like just shut it off, just, just <laughs> let that, just let my eyes roll in the back of my head and be like, all right, we're out of here. <laughs> so yeah, you know laziness. And there's a lot of people out there, and 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 
they'll call you lazy because you know you're not maximizing this that and the other thing. You're not burning yourself out, so you're fucking lazy, right? So I don't I don't judge anybody anymore. I'm just like you know I admire what you're doing, and and they'll often be like they'll just give me the floor right stare, you know. And like one of the greatest quotes is Joey Pants in the Matrix. He's like you know I know that this steak isn't a steak, but in here my brain tells me it is, and it's better than the slop out there. So he goes, yeah, and also in the Matrix, you see like Agent Smith is everybody, you know, like you can have a nice conversation, and then you say like, you know what? I don't think Hillary Clinton is a good candidate. Yeah, yeah, you watch like, them down Trump, <laughs> like yeah. you know, one little thing, and they just get triggered in the Matrix, and they just voice the opinion. Oh, you're an anti-vaxxer, then you know, like, okay, let's hear now the sources from all the mainstream sources that you've been spewing and just repeating. No, Doctor Fauci said this. It's this. It's to stop the infection, even though I still get infected and it's a vaccine, but I still need boosters and I still get the virus. But uh, uh, no, it works. It's like, okay, how much effort am I going to put into someone who's just mimicking what the matrix fed it? You know, like, okay, that's the kind of person. Wish you the best. Have a good day. I'm not even going to indulge in just a conversation. If by this stage you can't even see different perspectives who have doubts about how they handled it and no light went on in your brain, like I'm getting the fuck out. Have a good day. Bye. Not for me. What should, what should I do there then? I, I laugh my ass <laughs> off at that stuff. I laugh my ass. And, and people are like, I can't believe people still wear masks. I'm like, why? Why worry about that? That is such a beautiful thing that <laughs> these people are wearing something on their face that, st- that straight up says to you, you don't need to waste your time talking to me. Right? So it, it's, it's an elimination process. You're like, fuck, I don't even need to know who that person is. They're wearing a fucking scarlet letter on their face. It's like, all right. Uh, I don't need this, you know, and I love that shit. I love it. I'm like, I love masks. I, I see all these people. I'm like, wow, just idiots, you know? And then of course, what's going to happen is there's going to be somebody, not my audience, you know, but I always, whenever I say something, I always counterintuitive. Actually, as a matter of fact, this show's gone a little bit heavy. So I'm going to slap this button right here. Disclaimer. If you're going to soundbite any of this podcast, you must soundbite it in its entirety for consistency and context. <laughs> With that disclaimer, nobody can just rip my stuff apart and be like, look, this is authentic. Nah, fuck you. Um, yeah, man, soundbite the whole damn thing. But I, you know, I look at this stuff and I think to myself, you know, there's so many freedoms out there that are that are given to us because we are aware, because we see, because it, it is what it is. Um, you know, that that download thing that you were talking about, where they become Agent Smith just out in the world. It's like, it's like, all right, yeah, I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this, I don't have time for you. What the fuck? And and how how on earth? Can you wear a fucking face mask and understand? You got to go deeper. You got to go deeper and ask yourself the question. The essential question is what kind of mindset makes people so numbingly and willingly just go with it and not ask questions? And then I think it's three things. Lack of personal responsibility, lack of connection with the community, history, God, whatever you want to call it. Lack of connection in social relationships and lack of resources. You know, lack of resources to resist it. There's too much at stake, too much dependent on the government, employees, etc. So if you want to fight this, we got to put some personal responsibility again, strengthen the family, the culture, maybe connection to God, spiritual realm, and then the connections with other people, because we got to tackle the source that people were so easily fooled into this delusional narrative. I, I, you overcomplicated it right there. I think I would make it simpler. And I would say that in this world, there are a finite amount of people having this experience. And all of the people wearing the masks and all of the people that believe the news are non-player characters. They're NPCs. 
And I firmly believe that. And I believe that we all started off as an MP3, uh, NPC. I can say this. I remember, I remember when I got here. I remember when I got here. When I, this version of, well, not this version of me, but the first version of me got here. I was three years old. Snapped into consciousness. And I was asking my mother what was for dinner. I remember I was holding onto the counter. Uh, what's for dinner, mother? Please, may I have another? Uh, that's my first memory. And your first memory, people, a lot of people don't have a first memory, but I indefinitely in, in, in have a first memory. And I was three years old. And um, I can even tell you the layout of the house. My mother's like, that's insane. You were like two and a half, three when that was going on. I'm like, yeah, that was when, that was when I showed up. And there's a lot of people that don't have that. Uh, you know, so a lot of people haven't gotten here yet. And a lot of people get here. I mean, every single person that I know for the most part that, that has the ability to have these conversations got here through pain. Every single quote unquote light worker I've ever met came through the darkness to get here. And that's, you know, that's not something that, that, that changes. So when you have the opportunity to chat with a light worker, like you and I are having this conversation right now, um, this stuff's amazing. And, and another interesting thing is without the podcast, you and I wouldn't just pick up the phone and randomly talk to a perfect stranger. And, and you're in Belgium, I think. So it's like, it's like, hey, Philip, I want to talk to you for an hour or so about fucking whatever. You know, we wouldn't have this conversation, but there's a ton of people listening right now uh, and they're all gaining something from it. So you and I believe that people are gaining something from this. So we're like, I'm going to give my time to that, you know, where before that didn't happen. Actually, I'm going to take that back before it did happen. But you and I would have been at the local pub or we would have been at the library. If you take the internet out, I would have seen you reading a Jungian book and I would have been like, hey, I also read the red book. I think this, this, and this. What do you think? And then you would have taken out your pipe with the bubbles, you know? Oh, you already, you, you choose the red book, the most complicated, esoterical book. Okay. And, and dive that in is immediately one of my all-time favorite books. Yes, it, it's, a, it's a hard read. But if you're going to learn something, go in hard. Because... The, the neat thing about the red book is none of it makes any sense when you first start reading it. Right. But as you understand things and as your knowledge changes inside this reality that we're currently in, you'll understand chapter one, you'll understand chapter two, chapter three, four, five, and six are all bullshit. Like the, you know, further down the book, you don't get it. But the way the red book is written is it illuminates your level of awareness. And the interesting thing about the Red Book is it also falls in line with it's just another story. So either you're dead asleep and that's your story, or you're wide awake and you're understanding and comprehending the world around you, which is another story. And any story you tell yourself, whether you're egoic death or you're this or you're that, any story you tell yourself becomes your reality, just like we were saying, you know, whether you want to fight the 9-11 narrative or what have you, that becomes your reality. So in my in my estimation, I find myself in this world aware that I'm in this world and what I'm doing in this world, like having stupid arguments, like you were talking about your parents, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to change them. You said like, I'm over it. I have to talk to my mother a lot and I love her to pieces. She's my mother. Thank you for birthing me, et cetera, et cetera. But oh my God, it hurts my soul to have a conversation with a woman who believes she's superior to me because that's how the matriarchy worked back in the day. And I'm not knocking my mother. All of our mothers are beautiful. Mother's Day is a wonderful day. We're all super thankful for everything that we have. But the energy that it takes out of you to have these conversations with people that you deem to be super close to you 
and the likelihood is they're NPCs. You know, that's the shit that blows me away. So it's like, well, you know, you also have something when you have like a family structures and stuff that I realize you have certain family patterns, right? For instance, lack of communication and not talking to each other and making black and white conclusions and then action reaction and it escalates is just widely available in my entire family, right? Like it runs as, you know, a stream down my family line. What really surprises me is Part of it is the lack of, you know, personal reflection. But then when you see what happened with you in your family, with your brother, with your grandpa, and you see those patterns just being passed on like memes almost, yeah. and you don't see those things reflected, you don't think like, hmm, I've seen this before. Wait a second. Yeah, right, yeah. Everybody is doing this and I am doing this. Whoa, let's stop the impulse and work with it. I'm very reflected. I'm a deep thinker, so I can see through these lines, but they are just all over the family and everybody just out instead of just like stopping reflecting and seeing what's going on seeing that they're inheriting these patterns that they pass on that's that's what i found personally pretty surprising it's true and you know you'll you'll sit there and and when you have these conversations and you listen to i know for me personally when i'm listening to my mother shit on whatever her sister or whatever it's like it's it's she's shitting on me her daughter and then she's like i'm not shitting on you and then i have to think to myself is she shitting on them or am I interpreting it as that because I see it as anything that's said negatively is shitting on but the speaker is the is the interpreter sorry the speaker is the originator I should say me the interpreter I see things a certain way and I'm not necessarily seeing it right but I just know what I would do and how I would engage and how how the negative doesn't get my attention so it's I'm, I don't even want to engage in bullshit Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I don't want to do that. I want to engage in free thought. And when you can't do that, you know, you, you, you observe. So for me to say, like you just said, the lineage, you know, I, I look at the lineage and I think the only way I can see this lineage is through my eyes and, and my eyes are, are intricate. So when you and I were talking about earlier about, about being the black sheep, it, um, it's fascinating because we think that we're, I don't want to say superior and that's not what I'm going at. Like we think that we're different and uh, more enlightened or however you want to do it and be like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to talk that way. Uh, but they, they don't see it that way. So what we say hits their ears weird. Uh, we, next- we live, yeah, we live like, for instance, um, I'm very much into Jungian analytical depth psychology where you have four personality types. People see it as MBTI, but I have a completely different typing system. You have four kinds of people. You have the guardians, they protect society. They're very conservative. They just do as they're told. You have the artisans who work with their hands, you know, create things in the physical world or something with their hands building. Also a bit like stabilizing society in the here and now. And then you have the two people. You have the the visionaries, you know, like the intellectual ones, like me who create systems in the intellectual world. And then you have the idealist, you know, who do it more in an empathic way for people, also very future focused. So if you look at all these people, they have like a part to play because if 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 everybody would be like a rebel fighting against the system, that kind of creates an unstable society. The thing is, when you still look at the education system and also the system how you raise children, it's don't ask questions. Sit still. Why are you moving so much? Why can't yeah, you be normal? Up. Don't yeah. ask questions. Sit down. Shut up. Don't touch that. And that's the the that's the interesting people. That's the people who want to move. They want to think. They want to challenge things. You know. And you 
start developing an idea that inherently there's something wrong with you because you expressing yourself as you are thinking as you are asking questions is not being condoned by society or by your parents so either you succumb and you become like a victim always not being yourself hating yourself but pleasing everyone else yeah. or you become a rebel who's like i'm gonna fight for myself i'm worthy i'm different but you always have to prove and fight yourself because you feel like society is not accepting me. And this creates a lot of tension for what I call rebels with a cause. We were told that story, that narrative when you were growing up. Another thing too, you you said, you know, there's people that are fighting the revolution, yada, yada, yada. But if everybody fought the revolution, then yada, yada, yada. The way I look at it is if everybody fought the revolution, there wouldn't be a revolution because there are people working on the other side. There, there are people perpetrating the revolution, right? And so the funny thing is, when you really break it all down, I look at it that way. When you really break it all down, every single person is playing the role they need to play to make your version of reality the thing that excels or accelerates you. And that that's there needs to be assholes for and there needs to be shitty bosses and there needs to be shitty jobs and there needs to be all this crap. Because if everybody was in tickety boo standings, guys like you and me wouldn't have purpose. Not that we wouldn't have a job. We wouldn't have purpose. Our purpose is to help people understand their station, is to help people utilize the tools at their disposal to get to where they need to be. It's it's just it's just information. Every single, like the guy that's a billionaire versus the guy that's eating bonbons on his couch, the only difference between the two of them is the knowledge inside their head. I got to say something though. Nobody's watching this. It's just me and you. Are you filling that thing up off uh, off camera or that little cup there? Or have you been drinking from the same cup, the same amount of liquid the whole show? <laughs> no, no, no. I have my cup of tea oh, here. You know? I'm like, that must be some sort of magical teapot there. I like that shit. That's fun. You got the, because he's got the, uh, the, the very European tiny cup, ladies and gentlemen, and I've got the stupid American ultra big mug, right? So we, we figured it all out together. We're working, we're working our systems here. On your Facebook, you have a picture from February 11th. Um, of Trudeau. I mentioned being in Canada and I saw your eyes laugh without you doing anything. You laughed at the whole Canadian bullshit. And I know that Canada and North America were a laughing stock because everybody's at war over land, territory, oil, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of rights, yada, yada, yada. And America's over here going, uh, I, I'm, I'm a shocked individual because you fucking misgendered me. Like we're a laughing stock and you know, it, it's, it's all done intentionally. What's, it, uh, I guess the rise of cultural Marxism was a, was a podcast you did, but what's your mm -hmm. take on, what's your take on, on North America from, from, I don't want to say the rest of the world standpoint, but from where you are, what, what are people saying about the, the hilarity that is North America these days and the, the laughing stock of Joe Biden, who can't form a sentence is now the, the leader of the free world. Do you think that that this shit is crumbling the illusion of uh, of, a, of a proper political system? Do you think that it's intentional to just show us how absurd all of this really truly is, or or what's your take I, on on all that? I think it's the end of an empire. I think if you read the book by Ray Dalio, also where he talks about different empires, I think we see the rise of uh, BRICS and the East. Uh this is like the what's what's it when somebody has like this before he dies? You know the. I don't know, the last shakes of like a dying empire. Yeah. And they use uh, Europe as their bitch to fight a proxy war between Europe and Russia. Why? 
because the Brzezinski doctrine said like what we can never allow is that the biggest source of resources gets together with the intellectual powerhouse this is Europe and combines because then they're going to be super powerful so we have to keep on creating proxy wars you know in the zone between Europe and Russia you know or polarize them because they can't unite so I see the waning of Western you know imperialism especially like you know America and then like the close allies there and I see the rise of the BRICS in other countries because the exciting parties are in the BRICS, the innovation, you know, there's still a big market. Intellectually, morally, even militarily, when 50% of the world's budget in the military is from America and they can't even win a fucking war in Afghanistan, you know, let alone in Syria. Like, like what the hell are you doing with all your power and influence? So I see this as the waning of a culture and you see it like, you know, in Rome, in Egypt, the decadence, the moral depravity, you know, the nonsense, the crumbling of society, of tradition. That's how I see it. I see it as the crumbling of the West, instigated by, I don't know, forces with cultural Marxists who penetrated institutions because Gramsci said, like, we don't have to forcefully change the perception. We just have to do a march through the institutions with this education, mainstream media, you know, other kinds of sources, you know, school education. And, uh, yeah, they purposely weaken the West and uh, the all these issues, climate change, gender neutral toilets, you know, all this political correctness. It's just the signs of a of a decaying culture. Yeah, yeah. I I would um you know to to our biblical listeners, I would equate it to Sodom and Gomorrah. We're we're you know we're we're at the end of absolute debauchery, and nobody's talking about anything real. They're all just talking about how I feel. I also believe that vaccines have a, a play a huge role in in uh, turning everybody ridiculous. Um, you know, I I, I firmly believe that. I, I believe you know there, there's they, they've tied uh, vaccines into autism and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, there's no scientific evidence you know to back this up. But you look at the 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 constant decay, and then you'll hear people say things like, "Well, um, you know, they've always existed in the same amount of numbers. They've just been too afraid to say anything." I'm like, "Well, now now they're the bullies now." In Canada, you can literally go to jail for misgendering somebody, like if they want to push it that far. So I yeah, mean, it's the one thing that I think as a sociologist that people don't realize enough. You become what you feed your senses, not just your stomach. Yeah. So the reason why they're indoctrinating these masculinized women who hate men, you know, and castrate them, you know, and these men who are weak and can't fight, you know, this meme about weak men create hard times, hard times create, you know, yeah. you know, this whole cycle. Yeah. If you want to see what these psychopaths have in store, you have to see what they do with the children. And people think that they just watch a movie out of entertainment. No, it's your view into reality. It reinforces the way how you think the world should be. So do this for one, two, three generations. Then these people buy this crap because they see it everywhere. So of all the elements that can influence society, the culture and what you feed your senses is one of the most unhighlighted things that there are. Because if you're going to watch movies from the 50s, 60s, 70s, as a man, as a dynamic, you know, a provider, someone who protects, you know, not afraid to speak their truth, and you're going to watch this, even as entertainment, or you're going to watch this gender political correct crap for 30, 20, 30 years, it will change you as a person. Oh, yeah. And every single commercial in North America is 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 demonstrated how stupid and useless the man is in the house. Oh, honey, I can't do it. Everyone's a Jim Belushi these days, you know? Um, and, 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 and there's a war on women too. They've, they've recently, that's what yep. this whole transgender thing, this is war on women. 
Um, I've had this conversation. And fertility, with- like I think that's what you said. Like we don't need humans anymore. You're redundant. The redundant human. Yeah. Like we reached a stage where why do we still need humans? These people in power don't need more humans to get their agenda. They need transnational institutions, more milking of attention, surveillance, data, robots. Like humans are becoming more and more obsolete. Oh yeah, back in the day we needed to build stuff for us. Now we're just useless eaters, right? We mm-hmm. were a workforce, yeah. but now Klaus Schwab, the fourth industrial revolution, they talk about all that sort of stuff. But I mean, again, like you said, do you focus on this? I mean, you can, but it's just an avenue or an aspect or a piece of- I know thing. it now. I know like what's going on, but it's not going to be like what, what Stephen, um, Stephen Covey also talked about, the circle of influence, you know, like what can I influence and what is like a locus of control? It's outside of myself. It's good for me to know it. But I've reached a stage that the conspiracy cha- channels or et cetera, it can also become like a dark web feeding the same fear that you think of. Look at these people with the mask. They live so much in fear. Look at this person looking to alternative media and living in fear. Like you're doing the same thing, right? So I'm weaned yeah, myself off from the alternative media. I also have my own channel. And yes, sometimes we talk about COVID, but the bigger thing is we talk about hot topics. We talk about trauma, about uh uh, autism, about, you know, depression, about narcissism, every topic that I feel that people don't talk about enough and we should have open discussions about it because I don't want to be the guy who just talks about conspiracies and manipulation. I just have an honest talk about deeper issues in society that people should know more about. And that makes people think, reflect and feel like I'm not alone and can maybe help them some with personal responsibility because I know these people who can talk all about Klaus Schwab and the WEF, but they're fucking unhealthy they're miserable they're depressed yeah. and in their own life they don't do shit and then it's like how are you going to inspire people from that place you can have that ivory tower with all the knowledge but the place where it comes from you haven't filled up your own cup bro there's a there's an episode of um south park uh where they say um it was called the dookie brothers and 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 somebody took a shit in the in the urinal and that's how it started and it went all the way up to the president and so the president, it was George Bush at the time. So they're in the president Bush's office and he's dropping conspiracies. And I laughed at that because it was like, it was like the, the, um, he's like, yeah, we, we invent the story. We invent the narrative. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, well, we've got the conspiracy for you. Cause we invented that too. And that, that rang so true to me that it's like, there are people that'll be fine just focusing on the story. And then there are people that need something bigger. So that's the conspiracy. And I look at this stuff and just like you said, like, don't talk about this shit. Don't focus on it. I, and this is one of the things that, that sort of had me lose some audience in the quote unquote conspiracy realm was that I don't give it credence. I don't, I don't care for it mm-hmm. too much anymore. Mm-hmm. I've grown past the narrative and I've grown past the, um, the conspiracy. A perfect example of that is, I don't believe in globe earth. I don't believe that we are a space mm. ball floating through infinite space. Um, and that five years ago would have made me a flat earther. And I liked flat earth and I went to it and I looked at it and I understood it. And a lot of shit made sense in flat earth. But the more you look at flat earth, it's got its holes, right? Like everything's got its holes. So when I say, I don't believe that we live in a fucking floating space ball, because Man, there are way too many holes in that. The one story that makes absolutely zero sense is is fucking Spaceballs. And 
there are so many variations to what or the moon landing right but fuck it yeah like i'm also past the stage where i where i I had like people with the flat earth on my podcast and like debate and arguments uh david weiss and he was very great uh, to talk about great to talk about. yeah interesting like let's show his perspective etc people ask me like do you believe in uh i don't believe in the round earth i think there's very holes in it and have questions about it i'm not going to say like so i know this is true I definitely have questions about it. I have yeah. questions about the how they got to the moon, how they send the signals, you know, like why the footage is all lost, etc. There's also <laughs> many questions that I have like about this official narrative. The ultimate vacuum of space meet the absolute atmosphere of Earth and not do anything about it. They just happily meet in space. They're like, and people will be like the ozone layer. I'm like, you fucking think there's a piece of glass out there that's just gonna be okay with, you know, creating a divide? Bendy water. Bendy water doesn't make any sense. Water will always find its own level. We can go on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, no, but it's not about us pre-proving, right? It's just like, why can't we have an open debate about this? Why can't I have an open debate about evolutionary theory, right? Like, I just have questions about it. Like, uh, dinosaurs, we could ask, like, why are dinosaurs only pictured, like, in the Middle Ages? And why were they found? Like, I'm just open asking a question. But if I would just ask this, like, oh, he's completely crazy, ask this. I'm just asking questions, see different perspectives. You know, that is what science is about. Science is not about trust to science. Science is about ask questions, have the most valid opinion, and then try to get as much close to the truth as you can, you know? But But if you go deeper into science you will see that a large part of science is still based on belief. You see that the religious substructure of society in terms of like, what makes me a moral person? What is right? What is wrong? How can I give meaning to my life? Is now being used by scientism, right? Like these high priests of the Vatican or from the WHO, this virtue signaling political correctness is like, you know, these are the virtues. I'm a good person, you know? A lot of this religious feeling is just being attached to science and they act like science is not based on belief. Now, even if you look at experiments, double split experiments with quantum physics, you still see that your perception partly determines what you see. They still have certain things that they can't explain, like gravity, you know, or certain other things, you know, that people don't want to accept this, but a large part of how we view the world is not like 100% being proven. We just based on a belief that seems to work to explain things. We're just on autopilot. It's funny how Schrodinger's cat became such an absolute viable piece of my future moving forward. I'm like, it was a neat thing. The cat's dead or the cat's alive. That's kind of cool. But with quantum physics, it it is literally until you observe it, it is living in both states or it is existing in both states. And that's everything. The minute you leave the room, does that fucking room still exist? There's a theory. You know how people go missing out in the wilderness? There's a theory that the, the, that the, the, this reality that we're in doesn't want to propagate all that for one person. So it just wipes them out and they just go missing. And the person just gets kicked back into society as a reincarnation. It's a new baby, you know? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that to me is like somebody, somebody said that to me. I'm like, that actually makes so much more sense than other things. Like, you know, there's a movie, there's a movie called the 13th floor. If you haven't seen it, it's a, it's like, it's not even. Yeah. A I watched it a long time ago. The cover yeah. is something in green, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's got multiple titles. It's not just, it's called the 13th floor, but it's also called other things in other countries. And it's a story about a man who invents a thing. So it's basically like a man who invents the Sims, right? The video game, the Sims. Uh, and he goes in time and then the guys know that he's in this thing and he writes this note. And the whole thing wasn't about that. He was in the thing because he had been, invented it in his thing. The note and the, and the ultimate shocking thing was that they were in the thing. So there was a guy above them and there's layers and levels above them. And then you can watch things like Loki. The, the God of Mischief, the Marvel thing. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of truth in Marvel movies that that they're selling back to us. And I think that it's it's a it's a fascinating thing. Like Loki talks about a man outside time. And um he was a fellow, he was played by Michael or Ma- uh, Jonathan Majors. And he was um this this character, you know, he had multiple facets, he had millions of faces, he was he was everything. And I think that that's absolutely fascinating because if you really truly look at that, there's a high likelihood that there's a version of you outside of time. We believe that 20 years ago, something happened and it made us the way that we are now. But imagine you could look at the entire board and go, oh, if I just move this over here from 20 years ago, then this version of him will be this, this, and this. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no reason that that can't be a reality. Now, this is just obviously existential. And again, like I said, you and I could go on for hours and hours and hours about this shit because that's a lot of fun. And you know what? We probably will. The next time you come on the show or if I come on your show, we'll ramble on about all the potential possibilities of, of, of wonderful absurdities that are just as valid as we live on a globe earth and we need to pay our taxes. You know, it's all bullshit, but we have been on for a while and uh, I am going to put your links in the description, but where can everybody find you? Uh, if you just type my name, Philip Van Houten, so F-I-L-I-P-V-A-N space H-O-U-T-E, you find me mostly on like YouTube and uh, Facebook and uh, yeah, YouTube and Facebook. The rest would more be like in Dutch. So YouTube, Facebook is the best way to to find my stuff. Do you promote your and, Instagram? Uh, yeah, my, yeah, my Instagram is just the same name, a bit less active on there, but I still promote like stuff there. I got some cool stuff uh, out with the AI prompt free guide and best AI tools for content creation. So you can find it in the links if you want to download that. I select some of the best tools that... Uh, you don't become AI, but you can make AI work for you and have your own range of virtual assistants to save a massive amount of time. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, AI is taking over. Use it to your advantage. People are like, Bitcoin's taking over or it's not going to be a thing, whatever. I'm like, it's happening. You know, we're losing our fiat currency. We're losing the way things were. So do what you can to- Yeah, and speak your truth. Like nobody can compete with you. Like, you know, uh, uh, like be you. Everybody else is taken. I think uh, Oscar Wilde said it. So how are you going to set yourself apart with marketing? That's three P's. So the first P is persuasion. They have to know what you do. Because if you're going to be all over the place, they don't know what you do, you won't stand out as the go-to expert. Number two, the second P, personality. They have to know who you are as a person. People ask me like, how will I be different from up competitors? You just being you, sharing your truth, your stories, your challenges, you know, your journey. And the third one is... Yeah, and the third P is the P of promotion, what you sell. Because some people see like people are not buying. Yeah, do they know what you sell? Are you promoting yourself, right? So if you have those three P's and especially the personality will become more and more important because else people will just become clones or you will become a cheap copy of someone else and you can never compete with that. So learn about yourself, your gifts, connect with the right people, express yourself and yeah, use your personality and speak your truth. That's how you will stand out. Fucking beautiful. I love all that. I would normally say here, is there anything else you wanted to say? But you, you know, you wrapped it up on that one pretty good. That was a, that was a great way to walk out, but it's, it's, it's huge. It's important. It's a, uh, you know, it's empowering. It's empowering. And again, if you don't know where you want to start, ladies and gentlemen, just start speaking, start recording yourself, start hearing what you sound like. Just start for you. Say the things that you need to say and build off that the way I look at it too. Awesome having you on the show and you'll definitely be back and you and I'll definitely run the gamut of, of philosophical all the way through and through. But this was, I think this is a great introduction for my audience to, to, to you and to show them why I find you so absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have met you. I'm happy to have you on the show. I'm definitely going to be happy to have you back. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, my friend. Same man. Thanks for inviting me, brother. 
Excellent. And ladies and gentlemen, in the infamous words of Red Green, keep your stick on the ice. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the mentalmasteryalliance.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash the Mental Mastery Alliance. Let the team know you're listening by using the hashtag TMMA or tagging us at the Mental Mastery Alliance. To have your voice heard on the show, leave a voicemail or send a text to 647-338-1265. Long distance charges may apply. If you love us, leave us a review. If you hate us, you spend your time in weird ways. But also, leave a review. Every review on iTunes tickles the algorithm helping us grow. Until next time, unity over division. This concludes the most surreal portion of your day. You got it, Pontiac.